Good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Film Focus, episode 169, the double review for Barbie and Oppenheimer. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen of the North, South, East and West and welcome to another episode of Film Focus. I'm your host, Hypersonic55 and I'm glad you decided to join me once again for some film-related discussion. And today, in the month of July, I'm finally able to share my thoughts on the two films that blew up the internet because they ended up being released on the same day for some reason. I am, of course, talking about Barbie and Oppenheimer, also known as Barbenheimer. It's very interesting that the internet took these two films that ended up on the same date and decided to memeify and turn into like some sort of cultural movement. I don't think I've seen this much hype surrounding a film for a good few years now. Not in this kind of way, where you had film fans on very different sides of the spectrum sort of coming together just to see what the hubbub was about. And it's been fun to watch. The amount of interesting art and Photoshop material has been fantastic. And while I didn't get around to watching it on the weekend myself because I had prior engagements, I did get around to watching it just a few days afterwards. At the time of recording this, it's a Wednesday, so I ended up seeing it on Tuesday. And yeah, both films were pretty entertaining for very different reasons, but I was glad I got to do it as a double. I did consider doing them sort of separated, but I was like, nah, that's not the authentic experience. So. I've seen both films, so what I'll do in this review, I'll talk about Barbie first and then move on to Oppenheimer afterwards, so yeah, should be a good time. Alright, so first up is Barbie. It was a film that I wasn't interested in seeing until the second trailer came out, and then when I started to see all the noteworthy people in action and hearing some of the dialogue and seeing some of the crazy visuals going on, I was like, okay, this film actually looks like something I want to see. And what also accelerated my need to check this film out was the whole Barbenheimer movement that was going on online. It was really starting to reach a fever pitch as we got towards July. So I was like, okay, you know what? Screw it. I'll probably give it a watch. And I'm glad I did because the Barbie film was great. There was a lot to unpack about this film. And as I say on a few occasions, I like to talk about films in an analytical manner, but also do it in a casual way. However, there are certain times where I recognize that when I'm watching a film, talking about it afterwards will prove to be difficult because sometimes trying to find a way to summarize my thoughts proves to be difficult. So this will probably be a little bit more casual, very simple in terms of the way I'm describing certain things at times. And I may not go into certain things in as much depth as I would want to, but it's probably just due to the fact that I'm ill-equipped to talk about these things unless I had like a co-host who was a little bit more smarter than I was. But anyway... All that being said, we're going to talk about the story, characters and presentation, and then the overall conclusion. So without further ado, let's jump in. All right, and now it's time to talk about that plot and it can be summed up as the following. This film follows Barbie, also known as stereotypical Barbie, in the world of Barbie land, where the women rule and the men are essentially in addition to them as accessories. In Barbie land, everyone is living their upbeat, happy-go-lucky lives with the women in various different roles of power and they are 
just kicking it, having a good time. They're having really elaborate parties and all sorts of strange things that doesn't make sense in the real world, but it does make for some entertaining visual imagery. However, everything sort of changes once Barbie has an existential crisis, which makes her act differently to the rest of the other Barbies around. So she seeks the advice of another Barbie who's a bit of a recluse known as Weird Barbie. And she tells stereotypical Barbie that she needs to go on a journey of self-discovery into the real world to find the answers she's looking for. And so stereotypical Barbie alongside Ken go into the real world to basically look for answers. And that's a way for me to summarize this plot without going to the area of spoilers. I really enjoyed the plot for this film. In addition to the weird, fun, fantastical and humorous elements that came with this film, there was a lot more depth to it than I was expecting, especially when it came to how it handles some of its more serious subject matter and the themes that it covered. There was a lot going on in this film and it was handled in a way that was insightful, interesting and meaningful. They had a lot of interesting things to say about identity, self-worth and being honest with oneself while also touching upon issues about patriarchy, the status quo, gender politics and what it's like being a woman and the balancing act that they have to do just to exist. I know for certain individuals of the male persuasion, they probably won't be all too happy to hear some of the stuff that this film has to say. That being said, if you're an open-minded individual or someone who is basically aware of how the world works, then this stuff will not be a surprise to you, but it is also very well handled and said in a way that needs to be heard. I thought the way this film handled its themes was done with the right amount of tact it was said in a way that felt cool, felt really well done, and was just very effective. I found myself just captivated with the film at various different stages, and I was just like, yo, man, I'm just having a good time. The film moved at a pretty good pace. I was enjoying it, and I really liked the self-referential meta-nature of the film where it is super aware of what it is and doesn't take itself too seriously. But when it is serious, it works. It's a careful balancing act that is done very well. Alright, and now it's time to talk about the cast, and I think they did a really good job in their roles. There wasn't anybody I disliked, and while there is obviously a lot of Barbie and Kens in this film, I will basically try to do my best to cover the people that stood out to me the most. So let's start with Margot Robbie as Barbie, also known as Stereotypical Barbie. She was great. She was magnetic, captivating, super fun and engaging throughout. Robbie has been one of my favorite people to see in films since I saw her in The Wolf of Wall Street and since then she's shown up in a number of films where she's got to flex her talents in various different ways where we get to see different shades of her performances. I think I, Tonya is probably my favorite film that I've seen her in so far but this one might actually take the top spot just because we get to see so many different sides of her acting abilities where we get to see her vulnerable but also quite humorous and very upbeat and fun and yeah just this Barbie character is so interesting because we get to see her like in the highest of highs very fun and not super aware of how the world works but then once she gets into the real world and then sees how things are how her attitude changes and how she's just confused hurt 
and distressed by all the things that she learns that she learns about like how Barbie has affected the world and all that it's very interesting stuff and again Robbie just fantastic always good she was basically meant to play this role and then there's Ryan Gosling oh my god as Ken he was delightful I did not expect his character to play such a pivotal role in this film I knew he was going to be of significance but to see the role that he played and how his character transformed and then did a lot of the stuff that he did over the course of the film was very very good ryan gosling is one of those actors for a while i was like uh, i think he's a bit overrated i think that's just because a lot of people who liked him were women who just found him entertaining from like those rom-com movies but once i started seeing him in things like uh, a place beyond the pines and only god forgives I eventually saw Drive and then saw him in other stuff like uh, The First Man and The Nice Guys. I'm like, yo, this guy is plenty capable. He's actually really, really good. And they gave him a lot of really fun and interesting things to do. And I like seeing comedic Ryan Gosling, man. Dramatic Ryan Gosling, ain't no doubt. He's great at what he does. But comedic Ryan Gosling is really, really fun to watch. And he had some great scenes, whether it was with Barbie or the other Kens. He was just a very interesting character and he has an interesting arc to go through over the course of this film which I found pretty captivating too. And then just to list off a bunch of other individuals in this film you have Issa Rae as President Barbie who was just delightful. It's so great to see how far Issa Rae has come since the days of Awkward Black Girl Man. She has always had a great sense of comedic timing and she puts that to great effect in this film. Alexandra Shipp as writer Barbie was pretty good. Kate McKinnon as Weird Barbie, she was delightful and weird, but just really fun to watch. I also quite like Simu Liu as Taurus Ken. He was so good. Simu Liu, again, I have been shouting his praises since I saw that Blood and Water TV show from Amazon. At least that's where I saw it aired originally. And obviously he came up to be really good in Shang-Chi as well. But in this film, oh my god, his rivalry with Ryan Gosling's Ken is great. And to see how that plays out over the course of the film was fabulous. Kingsley Ben-Adir as Basketball Ken was so good. And there's just some interesting, surprising appearances from other people as well. But the last few people I want to mention is Michael Sarah as Alan. Oh my gosh, Sarah has always had this wonderful, weird awkward air about him that made him fun to watching comedies and to see him in this film his role was wonderful he was so good and then there's Will Ferrell who is the CEO of Mattel Will Ferrell is one of those sort of guys that can be a bit much he can do a lot of the same kind of things in multiple comedies but I found him quite entertaining in this film he was really fun and Rhea Perlman I won't say the role that she has in the film but I love what they did with her and it's always nice to see her in a film or TV show in this modern age of films and stuff. Alright and now it's time to talk about the presentation which was so good. Visually this film was very very impressive with a great use of practical stuff and some interesting uses of digital effects as well combined to create this very interesting amalgamation of imagery. Now, while we're in the world of Barbie, the Barbie land is just meticulously crafted. It looks like massive sets of the 
OG toys with the way in which the houses are set up, the vehicles are set up, some of the accessories like the tables, chairs, and all those sort of things. It's like, I haven't seen a Barbie set in forever, but with my sister playing with Barbies when she was young and certain friends who had sisters who played with Barbie sets as well, I remember what those things looked like in my mind. And to see the attention to detail that this film did in the Barbie land in terms of how the houses are set up and how they were able to get the aesthetic of that sort of plastic look down so well it was ridiculous and can i just say the barbie land in general is just fab it's so shiny and sparkly with very vivid colors and just this really interesting balance of prettiness but also being very weird absurd and just nonsensical and very over the top but in a way that's just very captivating to watch i'm just like yo man I would like to vacation here just for a bit because it looks like a lot of fun. The vibes are good and some of those dance numbers were just incredible. I won't say how many there are in the film, but you get to see a few glimpses of it in the trailers. But to see how these dance numbers play out in their entirety, they were so good. I found myself chuckling, smiling and just being, you know, fully engrossed in what was happening. And the limited use of like digital effects as well were really well done. And I also quite liked the music for this film as well. I can't speak much to the score because I don't really remember much of it, even though I know it was handled by Mark Ronson and Andrew Wyatt. But what I mostly remember from the Barbie film was the original songs that were utilized in the film. And they were all pretty good. I'm not going to lie. A lot of them were bangers. They had a lot of cool and fun energies some of them actually were very situational for some of the stuff happening on screen but it was done to great effect and um, there's one song in the beginning which I think was done by Lizzo and it was just delightful I'm like yo this is some good stuff I'm having a good time with this so some of those songs I will definitely be seeking out um, later on in the week so now we come to the conclusion overall I just had a really good time with the Barbie movie it was funny, it was silly, absurd, over the top, but very poignant, had a lot of interesting things to say, it was emotional, and I found myself just swept up in the magic, for lack of a better term. Alright, and now it's time to talk about Oppenheimer. Like I said before, I was mostly interested in this film for its cast. However, after I saw the second trailer and saw the amount of talent on display, I was like, okay, this film looks like it's going to be some hype stuff. And thankfully, the film ended up being quite an experience, one that stayed with me a good time after I left the cinema. And I think it's probably my favorite Nolan film since Inception. Now, before everybody like starts blasting me in the comments, let me explain. I like Christopher Nolan as a director. I think he's made a lot of really good stuff. However, I do think some of his films are a little overhyped and certain films that I like are probably not on the higher end of the spectrum when compared to some of his like more faithful fans or certain film fans in general. And the cool thing is now we've gotten to a point where it's okay to like different things. But I remember for a little while, if you weren't in love with The Dark Knight, you were basically, you know, ready to be crucified or like, you know, burnt at the stake. And I feel like for me, besides most of Interstellar, there hasn't been a Nolan film since Inception that I've liked the whole way through that really spoke to me in terms of what I enjoy about film. So 
seeing this film, even with its length and its subject matter, it was able to grab me in a way that a lot of his previous films hasn't. And I just found myself completely captivated overall. So as per usual with these reviews, we do the story, characters, presentation and overall conclusion. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's jump in. All right. So the film's plot can be summed up as the following. This film follows the life and times of J. Robert Oppenheimer, the American scientist who played a pivotal role in the construction of the atom bomb. And that's all you really need to know. That's the basic gist of the story. However, there is a lot more to it than that. This film chronicles Oppenheimer's like life in terms of his studies, the people that he came across, and then the people that he recruited to create the atom bomb, the testing, its eventual use, and then the fallout that took place afterwards. But it's told in a non-linear fashion. However, it's done in a way where every point in time is clear and easily understood. It's very well constructed with a lot of really great dialogue, great conversations, interesting back and forth and good speeches from a lot of people involved. And one of the things I really loved about this film overall was just this sense of intense dread that was just constantly flowing, floating over the film. There was always just this sense that you could tell something bad was on the horizon. You just didn't know how bad it was. Now, obviously, this is based on on a historical event. So if you know your history, you know exactly how this is going to play out. Now, obviously, I don't know how much factual information was changed for films because every form of film that is based on real life has some changes here and there. However, I do enjoy the fact that this film was at least able to make you feel like you were part of the time and understand the points of views of everybody who was involved. You could tell that there were certain people that were doing this for the right reasons or the wrong reasons or somewhere in between. And you could tell that this was a desperate situation. Time was of the essence and there was just a lot to do in a very short space of time. And this film really commits and demonstrates that feeling of desperation and just a need to win and just seeing how things played out even when you knew what was coming there was still a sense of shock horror disgust and hollowness that came from seeing this film i remember after it was over i was sat in the cinema for a good few seconds just thinking good lord man i i need to have a wash or something i need to go out and get some ice cream or something i don't know I needed something that needed to cheer me up. And I understand why a lot of people decided to do Oppenheimer first and then move into Barbie. But I kind of like the order I ended up watching my films in. But anyway, going back to Oppenheimer, again, just a very well constructed film that just had really great moments. And even though I could feel the length of the film, it didn't actually feel long. It actually flowed pretty well. And I just had a good time watching it and learning more about these characters and just the way in which things played out. All right, and now it's time to talk about the cast saying, good Lord, this cast is ridiculous. Everybody was amazing. I don't think I saw a bad performance from anyone in this film. The cast is stacked to the nines. It's the most impressive ensemble cast I've seen in ages. Everybody did their job to perfection. And there are too many people to mention, so I will try to highlight the people who impressed me the most. Um, 
and there will be like a little section towards the last side of the character area where i'll talk about certain other people but yeah oh my god just beyond the trailers there's so many secret hidden faces in here from various different films and tv shows that just had me just going oh my god it's you and you and you you damn it was mental anyway killian murphy as oppenheimer he was great I really just loved watching him. He was magnetic, captivating throughout. And it's interesting to watch this uh, story of this man who sees the world differently through his scientific vision. And he has an idea of creating something very unique, something that is beyond comprehension. But then seeing how he met other scientists and was able to eventually turn his thoughts into something physical but then realizing the repercussions of his actions it was it was great to watch and this film did a great job of allowing you to not exactly sympathize with him but understand him so you detest him but you also understand where he's coming from in terms of the situation he was put in the stuff that he decided to do and the people he decided to surround himself with and yeah, Murphy just played the role so well. Emily Blunt as well as Catherine Oppenheimer, also known as Kitty. She was pretty good. She had a little bit more to do as a uh, woman in a Christopher Nolan film. She had some really great lines and interesting conversation pieces, especially towards the latter side of the film. But overall, it was still really cool. Matt Damon is always reliable and he was really good as Leslie Groves. He was this soldier man who was constantly keeping tabs on Oppenheimer and he was very intense, very stern, but very effective. I also quite enjoyed Florence Pugh's performance as Jean Tatlock. She was cool, mysterious, complicated and has some interesting scenes with Oppenheimer and Pugh is always fun to watch. I just wish she had more to do in this film. Josh Hartnett, man, my God, he was invisible to me. He was one of those people who had a face where I'm like, I know you from somewhere, but I just didn't know where. But I think it was because of his glasses, hairdo, and the more broader face, because I'm used to Josh Hartnett from about maybe 10 years back where he was a little slimmer. But I was like, yo, he played Ernest Lawrence and he was so good. Very good. Very good performance throughout the movie. And from there you just have a bunch of other people that i could list but i would say the next two people that i really want to highlight is jason clark as roger robb he was just intense he was so mean <laughs> but he was doing his job as a not only the character but you know as an actor and he was great he had some of the standout moments in the movie but i cannot continue doing this without mentioning my boy robert downey jr as lewis strauss he was a senior member of the U.S. Atomic Energy Commission and seeing how much of a pivotal role he played in this film was fascinating. He had a lot of very interesting conversations with Oppenheimer and several other individuals throughout this film and I didn't know that Robert Downey Jr. would be playing such a pivotal role in this film because he has like what a couple scenes in the trailer but he is a very big part of this film and he was super intense acted the hell out of his scenes with some really great speeches and cool monologues and interesting conversations between people and there's this intensity this quiet intensity that sometimes rises above and gets a little bit more aggressive in scenes but 
watching this film just reminds me of how much I love to watch Robert Downey Jr. just act the hell out. And he was fabulous. I love Robert Downey Jr. He's so good. And I think a lot of people have forgotten that he can act outside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, granted, he was pretty much stuck there for at least 10 or so years. But after Endgame, he hasn't really done too many big projects. And obviously, that Doolittle film was pretty trash. At least that's what I heard. I never saw it. But to be able to come back with such a noteworthy performance, I think this is important for people to know that this guy can still do it. And he does it super well. And then on top of that, you have just really good appearances from several other people, including Casey Affleck, Rami Malek, Dane DeHaan, man. Like, that guy was so good in this film. I was so happy to see him. Matthew Modine, Jack Quaid. Josh Peck from Drake and Josh, I was like, I'm pretty sure I know your face. It's him. It's that dude who's half of those annoying kids from that Nickelodeon show. Great stuff. Alex Wolf. Oh my gosh, just the list goes on. But the the impressive appearances from everybody involved just was just stellar. All right, and now we move on to the presentation. And of course, it's really good. Visually, this film is quite impressive. You obviously have a lot of practical material going on here, so it's mostly just a lot of really clean shots of exterior and interior locations, really nicely framed stuff. But there's also these really interesting shots in between conversations where we're seeing inside of Oppenheimer's mind and we get to see what I could only describe as really fancy visual science stuff. <laughs> um, more so just like really interesting uses of light explosions and just really funky, interesting imagery that was intercut throughout like the film. And then obviously when you actually get to see some of these explosions go off, they are so clean with really dramatic lighting, heavy shadows and very limited use of color but in ways that was really cool obviously during certain moments in the past you get these black and white scenes that just add to the drama a little bit and add a little bit more to the authenticity of the time that it was taken in there's something about just adding black and white to things that make it feel a little older and yeah man just the film looked really cool the uses of cgi was pretty good it was limited but enhance the film where necessary and then of course you can't talk about this film without talking about the music by my boy Ludwig Göransson. This guy is just coming up in everything and I'm so glad that people are recognizing him for the beautiful talent that he is. He did some really really good work on Tenet so I was happy to know that he was coming back to work with Nolan in this film and this is definitely one of his more orchestrated specific pieces in my opinion. Goranson for me has always found this interesting way to float between orchestrated music but also using weird electronic sounds in cohesion and that was definitely the case for Tenet but this one feels a little bit more for lack of a better term straightforward but it's very very effective. I've heard some people make some comparisons to Zimmer and I can definitely see and hear those comparisons but I would say Goranson still is able to craft his own path and create something that was beautiful, serene, quiet, harrowing, creepy and again enhanced all the scenes that it was used in. A very effective score for sure and I will definitely be trying to seek it out at some point. 
So in the end, I enjoyed Oppenheimer quite a bit. The plot was dark, full of dread, but also fascinating. And it's always interesting to watch films about scientists who have a different perception of the world and want to create something, but aren't aware fully of the ramifications of what they are doing until after the actual event has taken place. The performances from everybody involved was just ridiculous ridiculously good the presentation was fabulous visually and audibly and yeah man Nolan man this is definitely one of his best films I'm not sure I'd call it his best film to date but I would say it's definitely on the upper echelon of the films that he's crafted all right so now I pass it on to you ladies and gentlemen have you seen Barbie or have you seen Oppenheimer? Or have you seen both? Did you do the whole Barbenheimer experience? If so, let me know in the comment section below. Or hit me up on Twitter. Where I'm at Hypersonic55. Or at FilmFocus55. Check out the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify. And now YouTube as well. I finally got that bloody video exporting situation sorted out. Those episodes may come out a little later than the standard ones. But they will be online most times. But that would be it from me. Thank you for listening, as always, ladies and gentlemen. Until the next time, this is the Hypersonic 55 signing out. Peace.